So as I was approaching the 7-Eleven, I went on my phone and went on Uber and ordered a ride from the 7-Eleven. Because, you know, usually it's like your current location. But no, I'm walking towards the 7-Eleven. I want to try to get a little bit of lead time. It's saying like 10 minutes. So I search for 7-Eleven, and it's giving me all these 7-Elevens in, like other, in other states and stuff. Wait, wait, no. So I'm like 7-Eleven Clifton in New Jersey, and then it shows me that one. So I put that in and uh, walk across the parking lot there of the Coles into to the 7-Eleven, which is surprisingly busy there around a little after midnight. And, uh, you know, I figured, you know, I could have walked home from there, but... You know, when I used to walk home from the highway bus stop, that's when I lived a little bit closer. You know, at that point, it was uh, past midnight. I'm like, listen, let me just get a takeover. I don't want to walk all that way. It would have been good exercise, but I didn't feel like it. So anyway, I I went into the 7-Eleven and having ordered the Uber, so I figure I have 10 minutes to kill in the 7-Eleven. So I was looking around and I was looking for those ghost pepper chips, Pocky ghost pepper chips. Um... Because that's a good thing to get there. It's, you know, it's vegan. It says vegan on it. They're like Doritos, but they're supposedly super hot, though they're really not that hot. I mean, I would say my heat level is that the amount of spicy capsaicin I can consume is a bit higher than the average person. But I I don't think I'm like the the highest level. There's a certain point where things are too hot for me. These Paki ghost pepper chips, like, no, they're not that hot, please. But they're very good, so I got those and some coconut water. Got some of the coconut water, of course. Of course, you have to choose between the original or the pressed. It's like, wait, what? What? Original coconut water or pressed coconut water? I still, I real, I think I've tried both. I have no idea what the difference is. So I got those. Whoa! What the hell? I dropped my cigar. There's not too much left of this cigar. It's gonna be a rainy day today. Look at this. Apparently, big thunderstorms rolling through soon. So, yeah, then I went out in front, and I'm, like, looking at, you know, you see how much time is left. And um, so, like, I think I have time to eat my chips and drink my coconut water. I don't want to be, like, eating, you know, this messy food inside the guy's car. So I figure if I can get it done outside, you know, it's like a midnight snack, as they say. Yeah. But, yeah, it was a great midnight snack. Then I looked at, at the Uber app, and it's like, wait, where's this guy going? It was, it was like a few blocks away. I'm like, what? No, he used to come to 7-Eleven. So I updated my pickup point to where I was exactly. It was kind of hard to figure out, you know. Um, so, I re, so, so just so I, I you know, I, I, he knew where I was. Even though I thought the app was supposed to show him where I was because they're, like, identifying where I am from my phone. I don't know. I don't take Uber that often. Okay, it, it, it's a very it's a rarity for me. Um. So. Then then I get a phone call, and it was weird. Like it, like my phone was ringing, and I was assuming it was from the driver. And I tried answering it, and then the call dropped, and I'm eating my my chips, <laughs> like dropping them all over the sidewalk outside the place. I'm like a total klutz. I'm like trying to eat chips and talk on the phone. Everything's falling down, falling down. I must have left a good meal for some uh, some birds or rodents or some raccoons or something out there. <laughs> a lot of ghost pepper chips. I don't know though. How would it, how would it want an animal react to that hot pepper? I don't know. They might be horrified by it, but at least it's some degree of sustenance. Anyway, the phone rang again. I'm like, "Hello." It's like, "Hello, this is Jackson." <laughs> Hello. 
I'm like, hey, I'm at the 7-Eleven. He's like, no, no, I know, I know, but where are you going? Um, <laughs> I told him my address. I'm like, yeah, it, it's it's not that far. He's like, oh, so it's like three minutes. I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. I'll see you, see you in a minute. I I don't know. I think he must have gotten confused that I changed. I think he must have thought I changed the destination instead of changing the pickup point. So it was like a bait and switch. Like I'm saying, oh, I'm only going three blocks away, but now, oh, take 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 me to Philadelphia or something. You know, I I, I wonder if that happens. I guess it does. You know, so he arrived, but he 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 pulled up by the on the main road. He didn't come into the parking lot. He honked his horn. And then a, a person behind him was upset that he had stopped there and was honking. A lot of honking going on after midnight. After midnight. Everyone's honking their horns because they're pissed off. So I got him like, hey, Jackson. He's like, yes. Because <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, maybe it wasn't an Uber car. <laughs> you know, Maybe it could happen. I don't, I don't know. That Maybe it was a completely random person. Who the hell is this coming into my car? It could be a dangerous situation. Anyway, we didn't have to talk anymore after that. He... Uh, it's weird because he was facing kind of the wrong direction. He actually went back on the highway to the next exit to go home, which I think probably was the right And Rather than having to do some sort of illegal U-turn, that was probably the best option at, at when you're facing in that direction. Though he could have just pulled into the 7-Eleven parking lot and came back out. It, anyway, it was six of one, half a dozen of the other. It really is not. It's like a three-minute ride, you know. So uh, got off the highway and got home. And I'm like, yep, this is good, Jackson, and uh, thank you. Then I went home. It was good. Wow, that was some night, right? If, if, if you're listening to these shows in sequence, you just heard that the show last episode where I went to see Stereo Lab in Brooklyn. Yes, that was quite a journey. Uh, really a very wonderful experience. The fact that I, I, I managed to get that bus, as you heard in real time, um, I was absolutely amazed. Because I was like still at 14th Street transferring from the L to the A. I had like 12 minutes left. I'm like, there's no way. But it, it, it worked out somehow. And even when you get off the A, it's it's, it's another like it, like a solid four or five minutes to walk all the way down the corridor, into the bus terminal, up several levels to the 300 gates, you know. But I made it with two minutes to spare, as I think I mentioned. I liked, I liked that I was able to kind of like record inside the venue as well because just using the phone to record... I don't know why I never thought of that before. I don't know if it's really... Well, at the Jack White shows, you're not allowed to bring your phone in. You have to seal it in a bag. But in other shows, you could bring your phone in. I thought it was cool. I listened to a little bit of it. I think it sounded all right. I mean, I know that uh, the sound quality on the phone is not as good as on this. The uh, Roland R07 recorder. But I think it's listenable, and I think it was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that night. And it wouldn't have been the same without all of you li- listeners. I felt like I was there with all of you, and I wasn't just there by myself. And I wore my Stereo Lab t-shirt yesterday. It's a good t-shirt. Quite a good one. Yeah, I've been getting t-shirts at all the shows I've been going to. Well, except the Jack White shows, because I don't, I don't really care for his t-shirts. But then that's a whole nother. You know, I just, he just doesn't have good t- I would get a Jack White t-shirt. I just don't care for the designs. That's, that's the only thing. I even got a Luna t-shirt, which is very well designed, very subtle. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't never know that it was like a, a K-pop girl group, but, you know. Very subtle blue lo- logo on the front, and then on the back some details of the tour. But yeah, I did a little bit more research on the opening band, Blue Jazz TV. So they are from Brooklyn, and they've been going since at least 2012. They have some albums on um, Bandcamp, but it was like very confusing. Uh, 
you know, I was trying to figure it out, but kind of, you know, after a while, I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> They're making it hard to figure out, but uh, I thought I found an interesting dynamic in the band because there were like t- essentially two singers. The one guy who was um, he didn't play an instrument. Him and this this woman were like the, like two singers. But this the one guy that didn't play an instrument was like one of the main singers, and his songs were in a bit of a different style. But then the guy that played uh, the keyboards that I described as looking like a cross between Matt Frewer and Donald Fagan. <laughs> For those who know who those two per- person- persons are, um, his music was very much like super inspired by Steely Dan, and I f- that's what I found really interesting. This guy that um, is is obviously a, a, a Donald Fagan. I, it seems like Donald Fagan is his hero. That's, that's what I that's what I got from it, and really interesting music. I would love to hear more of that guy's music in that context, which I guess Blue Jazz TV does his music, but it's just sort of like, is it two songwriters in competition, or what's going on there in the Blue Jazz TV world? I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever know. Will we ever know? Anyway, my my eye, which I described as having a a sty, which I never had a sty before. Uh, It's not as serious as I would have imagined it was. It's just sort of like a pimple on the inside of your eyelid. I guess it, it could also be on the outside. Very unpleasant. The eye drops are helping, and it's much better. It's it's gotten much better. It's not a hundred percent yet, but it's not. I I, I, I looked kind of weird, like with my eye was all puffed up, like I got punched in the face or something. But I, I, it's a bit better now. It's much better now. Okay, I'm expecting it to be completely healed in a few days. Wow, it's getting pretty windy out here. Wow. So anyway, uh, I, I think as I mentioned. Stereolab hasn't really released any new music since 2010, which is quite a long time now, as it's now 2022. Um, they have been releasing their Switched On series, as I mentioned last time, where they're uh, releasing all of their ultra-obscure music that was almost impossible to get before. The Switched On Volume 5. What's what's the subtitle of it? I forget exactly. That was the record I was going to buy, but I didn't have time. It's all right. I don't really need it on vinyl. Um, anyway, <clears throat> you know, the band members have been producing music. Um, Leticia has... Sadier, when she said her name on the recording, she said, I'm Leticia Sadier. I think that's how, I think that's how she pronounced it. I didn't really hear the Leticia part, though. Um, she released some stuff. I tried listening to it a couple of years ago. It just wasn't my thing. And Tim Gain has been uh, doing some stuff. I mean, as he does seem to be a bit of a musical genius, it's kind of a shame. He released a bunch of some music under the name Cavern of Antimatter, and it was instrumental stuff in the in the Stereolab vein. But, I don't know, it never really clicked with me. There's something about uh, his music and Letitia's sort of deadpan singing style and personality and political sensibilities that sort of mesh together in a very unpredictable way that doesn't seem on paper like it would work, but it just does. The two are so much better together than apart. But, of course, they were married and got divorced, so it's probably kind of hard to work together at this point. They were on opposite ends of the stage, too. I think at one point she's like, I hope Tim Gain is giving you guys what you want. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, as, ex, as ex-spouses, I, they probably don't want to really be around each other, but I imagine they could make quite a, quite a bit of money touring. They probably need the money, you know, so they have to tolerate each other. I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on between them. I did read one interview with her that um, they were, um, you know, that she was 
she said she would be open to working with him again um, for the music, but I, I think it'd be cool if they got back together. I, I mean, you know, it's kind of like Jack White and his ex-wife, uh, Meg White. Um, I think they already. I think I, I'm not sure. I think they already were divorced by the time they started the White Stripes. But they were much better. I mean, Jack White, again with his songwriting sensibilities and persona and her much more sort of uh, naive, primitive style, she really is... Her drumming was always... She was a drummer and he was a guitar player. There's a two-piece band, White Stripes. Great live. Saw them so many times live. Um, that somehow they sort of mitigated... She sort of mitigated him and, and made him much better, right? I think all of his music afterwards kind of lacked the unique balance the unique force and it sort of shows you the collaborations really can produce some of the most interesting work musically I would say the band I was involved with Fuzzy Doppner my rather out there lyrics and musical uh, perspectives and then my sister-in-law Carrie's uh, at the time she was you know just starting off like that collaboration and uh, there were other people obviously involved in the band my wife Denise and Rob and Phil um, produced I think some absolutely remarkable songs I can't even believe I was involved in creating these songs and those are of course all preserved here on the archive of the Ansug Um, and they're not heard pretty much they're not heard anywhere else (laughs) they're not available it's it's really the music never got anywhere and there never there were a handful of fans perhaps but but anyway Tim Gaines' new band is called Ghost Power, and I remember earlier this year the new album was going to come out. So, you know, it's on Apple Music, it's on the streaming services, but they just have everything's grayed out but, like, one song. So I listened to it. I'm like, okay, I guess it'll come out eventually. Apparently it came out April 29th, and I missed that, and it's now October 13th. So I was listening to it. I'm going to listen to it today. It's... uh, it seems a bit more promising than Cavern of Antimatter, which I couldn't even tell what it was about Cavern of Antimatter. Um, but I'm going to give Ghost Power a shot. Um, I found this interesting uh, on All Music. There's a uh, a review of Ghost Power by Heather Fairs. Uh, uh, let me read some of this here. <clears throat> it's hard to think of a better way to revive duophonic Super 45s. The label run by Stereo Labs' Tim Gain and Leticia Sadier and manager Martin Pike than new music from the artists who rele- the artists who released music for the imprint back in the day. Along with providing an outlet for Stereo Lab's limited edition releases, the label also cultivated many acts who dug up who dug into the band's niche of experimental electronic pop in more specific ways. One of those was Dymaxion, a New York-based post-rock group that, as their Buckminster Fuller worshipping name suggested, I'm not sure. I guess Dymaxion is a... What is Dymaxion? Is that like a Buckminster Fuller thing? I never got heavily into Buckminster Fuller, though. Of course, I've dabbled in the Fuller world a little bit. Uh, He was sort of a philosopher, right? Buckminster Fuller. He was like an architect. An architect, systems theorist, writer, designer, inventor, philosopher, and futurist who died in 1983. Wow. But he made those those uh, domes like that. I went to actually his the dome he built in for the Montreal was it sixty seven World's Fair. I actually went there a few years ago. It's still there in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. 
Let me see. What's Dymaxion? What does that mean? <laughs> They're worshipping at, at, the, at the feet. Buckminster Fuller, damn it. Oh, the Dymaxion car, okay. Dymaxion is a coin... It's a term coined by architect and inventor Buckminster Fuller and associated with much of his work, prominently his Dymaxion house and Dymaxion car. Dymaxion, a portmanteau of the words dynamic, maximum, and tension, sums up the goal of his study, maximum gain of advantage from minimal energy input. Interesting. See, it's a uh, a philosophy. (laughs) The word portmanteau. I was always annoyed by, uh, remember the early days with like podcasting and the Wikipedia entry was like, podcasting is a portmanteau word. Really? Is it really a portmanteau word? I guess it is. What is it? A guy that, a guy that works at, a, at a, like a seaport and his toe, portmanteau? No, it's portmanteau. It's a French word. But what is, what is the etymology of portmanteau though? Hmm, let me see. Portmanteau is a noun from the 1580s. Flexible traveling case or bag for clothes or other necessities from the Middle French portmanteau, traveling bag. Originally court official who carried a prince's mantle, 1540s. From port, imperative of porte, to carry. Manteau, cloak. Sometimes partially Englished as portmantle. Portmanteau word, a word blending the sound of two different words, 1882. Coined by Lewis Carroll. Wow, the guy who wrote Alice in Wonderland. For the sorts of words he invented for jabberwalking on the notion two meanings packed up into one word as a noun in this sense from 1872. Okay, so now now we know. Now we know the complete story of Port. I did, did not know that Lewis Carroll was involved in, in such a thing. I did not know that. Wow. That's interesting, though. I, I like that. Um... Buckminster Fuller worshipping name suggested brought a more playful and retrofuturistic take on that style than most of their contemporaries. The group's main son- sonic architect, Jeremy Novak, struck up a friendship with Gain that led to their collaboration as Ghost Power. The duo's self-titled debut album is a perfect... Oh, I lost my place here. ...is a perfect continuation of the legacies of everyone involved. Fans of Gaines' post-Stereolab projects will note that Ghost Power is more light-hearted than his work with Cavern of Antimatter. Kicking off with Asteroid Witch, a bold and bubbling concoction of beat synths and sci-fi zaps that rattles that first and, and rattles that first appeared on a 2020 limited edition 7-inch. That, that's probably where I heard it. It was also listed as what they're playing uh, on their turntable uh, for Shindig Magazine, this current issue. The album finds him and Novak mixing and matching sounds with a gleeful abandon. Lithic Fragment, with its comically booming timpani, brassy fanfares, and whooshing electronics, could be a collaboration between the BBC Radiophonic Workshop and Spike Jones, while Inchwork improbably combines the sardonically chugging guitars of Chair's Missing Era Wire with bristling beats and glockenspiel. (laughs) I love this review. (laughs) This is awesome. On Zome Primer, the duo mash up harpsichord-laden chamber pop and a slinky rhythm that results with results that approximate a lo-fi DJ shadow track, while vertical sections, tightly interlocking keyboards, evoke the Ghost Box roster with as much 
as much as Gaines' own work. Yeah, see, I, I have listened to uh, music from the Ghost Box. I don't know if Ghost Power and Ghost Box are related in any way, but Ghost Box is this whole record label that has very interesting music that I've talked about briefly on this show from time to time. However, each of Ghost tr- Power's tracks have enough drive and momentum to not seem overly quaint, whether it's the mod mystery of Grimalkin or Opsimath, one of the moments when Dymaxion's love of cartoonish sounds comes to the fore. Astral Melancholy Suite, a 15-minute epic that spans what sounds like an army of evil toy robots to an eternal drift in the cosmos, shows off the breadth and depth of Ghost Power's considerable skills, all of which make the album a real treat for fans of Gaines and Novak's other work. All right, I'm sold. I'm definitely going to listen to it today. <laughs> but uh, Zomes is, is, a, is, again, related to those domes, a zome, right? And uh, let me see, zomes. I think they're, they're like domes, but they're more like tall, like teepees or something. Let me see. Are you allowed to say teepee anymore? I don't know. I need teepee for my bunghole. Yes. Zomes. Yeah, yeah. No, they're 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 almost teardrop shaped um, domes. <clears throat> that you know, I mean, as I am a a real fan of utopian architecture, I know zomes are a big part of that. Again, I'm not an expert in it. I'm just sort of a I, d- I dabble in utopian architecture, you know. <laughs> and I remember there was a scene in one uh, Thomas Pin- Pinchon book where there were some zomes. Was it possibly in Bleeding Edge? Hmm. <laughs> Let me look this up. I, I don't know if I can find it, but he was talking about zomes. <laughs> What's the etymology of zomes? We'll have to see. No, it was actually an inherent vice. Ah, look at this. Zomes. Zonahedral domes. The name zome, a combination of the words dome and Zonahedral geometry was coined by Steve Baer following his discovery of this unique geometry in 1969. Good year for utopian architecture. This patented construction system is an evolution of 5,000 years of geometric dis- geometrical discovery from the Babylonians to R. Buckminster Fuller at Arep... Arep... What? Arepentimiento 249 doors to other dimensions... 253 Shasta's Necklace, 262 Corners Constrict the Mind, Domes Break into New Dimensions. Oh, this is a a quote from Steve Baer. Corners Constrict the Mind, Domes Break into New Dimensions. Yeah, I remember this scene. There was some guy that was like going into another dimension with a zome or something. Love that inherent vice. It's a good book. Not a great movie, but it's a good book. And look at this. Here's a geocritical reading of Thomas Pynchon. Wow. Let's see what this is all about. Pinchon in Place, a geocritical reading of Thomas Pinchon from May 2018. Wow. Let's see if we can find the zomes in here. Oh, I can't search. All right. Anyway, let's let's, let's move on from that, shall we? (laughs) Hey, it's a bit later now. I think it's been raining a little bit, but nothing major. Not that big of a storm, it doesn't seem... So I've been listening to Ghost Power, and I have to say, I'm really not digging it. It it, it seems like it has the same issue 
the same issue I had with a uh, cavern of antimatter, which is that it just lacks depth. Um, it's very hard to like pin down what it is about it. I don't like it. Just it feels like something that's very surface level. The music is good, but I just I'm not really enjoying it. It doesn't have the depth that uh, Stereolab has. Um, and it's strange because it's the same guy that wrote the Stereolab music, but it's in a different context. And uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that maybe he needs like you know a lyric, a, a singer on these this type of music to add something more to it. Um, I'm I was trying to imagine what would Stereolab sound like without. Uh, Lyrics, but I think the stereo live music would be better than his later solo music, even without the lyrics. But anyway, it's a bit disappointing, but hey, I tried. What do you want? So I guess over the, you know, the past week or so, I've, I've come to a realization about one aspect of our project here, the Ansug, a radio station inside a book, which relates to uh, an idea that I was calling the Ansug Preview Channel and of which I did a few uh, test broadcasts of, our, our test. I just did one uh, like within about a month ago, a month or so. And um, the idea is that uh, something we don't have now, but that in the future when you have the book, right, a radio station inside a book, when you want to listen to it, you just hit play, and that there should be what I was calling a preview channel talking about all the content within. Well, the realization I came to was that um, it shouldn't necessarily be a preview channel. That is, it, it just like in, in the sense that when I had Ansug Guide, the book about the Ansug, I realized that it was two separate things and that we really can't afford to be two separate things, Right in terms of moving on into the future, it has to be one thing, right? So instead of the book about the Ansug, it's just the Ansug or radio station inside a book. It's one thing, right? So to me, I realized that the pre the Ansug preview channel, it's a preview channel about the Ansug. And I realized, no, it's it shouldn't be a preview channel. It should be the radio station inside the book, which it says right there in the title. This might seem obvious in retrospect, but uh, it's it's something I I, I kind of didn't grasp that the Ansug, a radio station inside a book, the radio station part of it should be it is the thing, it is the radio station inside a book, so it should be uh, one coherent broadcast or set of audio that is um, playing. There is some kind of a host, be it a real person or an AI or something, playing clips from shows in the Ansug or the show or complete shows in the Ansug, right? That should be the, that should be the Ansug. It shouldn't be the Ansug preview channel. It should just be the Ansug, right? Now this is not something we have right now. This kind of a meta channel, right? The idea is, it's a mass archive of audio that right now we're putting the, the burden on the listener to sort it out for themselves and figure out what to listen to, right? So I think that um, 
th- there is such a richness of content here in in the Ansug that <coughs> a a radio station that is considering when you get the book it's just it just starts playing the broadcast right which is a radio station which plays uh clips of the shows plays pieces of the shows bits of pieces of content from all of our shows as this one cohesive thing right and i think that right this and this doesn't exist right now but i do think that it would be something that would be extremely satisfying to listen to just on its own just imagine with a host and with a certain tone right and it's going to have a certain i haven't this hat this is this is yet to be created really um even though i i have played around with it in my various um you know the onsug project and various i mean i've definitely addressed this question but i think that this is not just a preview channel this is what we're going to eventually morph into right not to say we're we will continue to create new content as we've been doing it but i'm looking forward into the near and far future what form this project will take and i do think that an effortless just press play on the onsug and then it just starts playing right now the idea is that it should have a feel a tone and it should be right a cohesive tone it should be something that no matter when you're listening to it it should be a similar feel right and then there will be some kind of a host speaking again a person or an ai introducing um the clips introducing the pieces right but that it doesn't have to be just one sequence of audio the idea is that it if we can involve you know it could be done right now with just simple programming but ideally with an ai or an advanced ai or an a you know something derived from agi artificial general intelligence right it could produce um an endless uh, variation on this theme so basically having all of the onsug to draw from it can uh customize the broadcast to each individual listener so even though it would see it, it will feel consistent across different instances of listening it can it it should be customized for individual listeners and this is a technology that doesn't exist yet right and the idea is it's not just something you're not just a, as a listener you're not just passive but you can talk back to the radio right and when you're hearing a clip from a show if you hear something interesting right oh when i heard manny and rule and frank in there in brooklyn they were they're talking about manny show special delivery oh can i hear some of that right and you could just keep exploring you know all the different shows that way but it would have this this baseline right the baseline would be this uh you know hey welcome to the onsug and we're here you know we're a radio station inside a book welcome here's something to listen to and starts playing a clip you know from from a show and and then it'll be like and it, it, you know maybe there will be things that are oh well you know uh you know chad mentioned uh, clowns on this past segment let's see when frank talked about clowns and just kind of like building on different themes and different ideas just sort of drifting through the onsug in that way right but 
the realization or the, the change I'm I'm talking about now is is very small. Instead of calling it the Onsug Preview Channel, it is just the Onsug Radio Station, basically, right? That is inside the book, and I think that is kind of an important distinction. And you know, I think I do want to look into what is possible in regards to this without the advanced AI technology that we currently don't have access to, right? What can be done beforehand? And I, I'm sh- I know something can be done. I know there can be many different levels of doing this without an AI. So, uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I could produce, you know, uh, hours and hours of this uh, particular style of broadcast as an example but ultimately I think it will have to be automated and uh, obviously an AI could enable the system to be developed very quickly um, and very effectively whereas you know anything shy of that is going to require a lot of manual effort right So anyway, I'm just going to be aware of this this whole thing, and but just to let you know that is the intention. Again, it's may not be as relevant in the moment, but as the project moves forward in time, and again past the time when all of us currently working on it are no longer here, right? In 500 years, I don't imagine any of us will still be alive. I don't imagine any of us will still be alive in 50 years. Well, some of us might be actually. I could be, but I would be 105, which is uh, not... Well, anyway, you know what I'm saying. How the project will eventually wind up. So, right, that radio station inside the book is the thing that doesn't exist now. That is the vision. That is the dream. Anyone from now on into the unlimited future that has the book in real life or in a virtual world that opens it up will start hearing the radio station inside the book which will be a channel that talks about and describes all the shows and plays clips from all the shows in the onsug that is the vision thank you <laughs> thank you ah oh, i feel good that i that i got that out it's important I, I, it seems like something i should have realized before but you know sometimes it takes me a while to realize things yeah yeah anyway just as a little side note something i figured i would mention This is episode number 1,955 of the Overnightscape. And, uh, you know, I used to do the area code of this episode, you know, when we had three-digit numbers. Now we're into these years that sort of snuck up on us, you know. 1955, wow, what a year, right? Uh, It it would have been something in the, you know, I... Had I been doing the show with the same mindset as, as as I was doing it many years ago, I may have introduced a feature. The year of this episode, 1955. What happened in 1955? Right? I'm sure it's crossed some people's minds. Why haven't I been doing that? Well, I mean, it, when, when we were in the 1600s, I'm like, gee, I don't know if 1655 is that interesting of a year. Obviously, now we're getting into more interesting years, more recent years. Um. And the thought has crossed my mind, especially as we've crossed into the 1900s now. Um, but I just, I just don't feel like that's a feature I want to do on the show. It just, it just doesn't, 
it feels like yes, it could be something. I just don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like it, it's good for the the show as it currently is, right? It's just it just as a gut feeling. I'm like, should I do the year of this episode, 1955? When I think about it, I'm like, yeah, no, no. So I just wanted to address that. I, I'm not going to be doing the year of this episode. And how long till we uh, actually catch up till uh, 2022? Well, as as I do of what 104 episodes per year, uh, 104 plus 1955. Yeah, wow, it should be less than a year. We'll get to 2022. I should be able to figure it out, but I'll figure it out at some point, right? I do two shows a week, so yeah. Sometime it'll happen sometime next year. Sometime in twenty twenty three, we'll get to twenty twenty three. But let's not worry about that. <laughs> I don't want to make a big deal out of it. So here's from, uh, some news uh, just from a couple days ago. New Jersey Hall of Fame breaks ground at American Dream. Yes, that American Dream Mall right down the street from me. What? I can't read the story because I'm not a subscriber? Get out of here. This is ridiculous. I thought I was reading this story the other day. Ah, get out of here. Why can I read this story? Oh, God. I, I could have sworn I was reading this story, and now it's blocking me, but I I don't know. I, I logged in or something. I don't know what the hell. Oh, come on. Here we go. Climb aboard a replica Model T Ford while former astronauts Mark and Scott Kelly narrate New Jersey's many contributions to the field of science. Or hop on a hologram karaoke stage and sing along with music legends and New Jersey natives, including Gloria Gaynor and Frankie Valli. These and more attractions will be found inside the 10,000-square-foot New Jersey Hall of Fame that just broke ground at the American Dream. The Mega Mall in the Meadowlands announced Tuesday. The Hall of Fame, dubbed an Entertainment and Learning Center, is expected to be completed in spring 2023. All of the exhibits within the ELC, what's the ELC? Hmm, I thought it was New Jersey Hall of Fame, will allow visitors to explore their passions through the significant achievements and contributions made by each of our inductees, said President of the Hall of Fame Steve Edwards. It's a place where we can take pride in our Jersey grit, where we can all, including our children, be real, inspired to realize our highest and best sense of selves. I couldn't imagine a more fitting home for the New Jersey Hall of Fame than one of New Jersey's top destinations. Visitors will be greeted by life-size replicas of New Jersey Hall of Fame inductees welcoming, welcoming them into the ELC. Did they say what the ELC was? <laughs> you know when you have to go back and writing, like, what, what, what is this? They don't say ELC. A- am I missing something here? The ELC. Hmm. Um, exhibit something (laughs) then move on to the hometown exhibit where they can embark on a virtual reality journey in a classic car with a Hall of Fame inductee visiting their hometowns school, home, and favorite restaurant the new facility will also feature the historic Model T Ford car that Henry Ford gifted to Hall of Fame inductee Thomas Edison in 1933 the two became great friends and took road trips throughout the country and Model T's. Gee, I wonder if they're going to mention Henry Ford's uh, less savory uh, 
activities back in the day. Hmm. If anyone, it should be canceled, it's him, but I don't know. <laughs> anyway, we'll look that up afterwards. The New Jersey Hall of Fame is the perfect place to house the Ford Model T, a piece of American and New Jersey history, said John Keegan, chairman of the Edison Innovation Foundation. The Great Hall in the ELC... <laughs> what the hell is the ELC? Oh, the Entertainment and Learning Center. Now they finally told us what it is. Will contain the Wall of Fame, containing artifacts and plaques that celebrate each of the more than 200 inductees, as well as everyday heroes, focusing on the achievements of New Jersey citizens. American Dream is a one-of-a-kind destination and a New Jersey icon, making it the ideal location for our state-of-the-art center. The Entertainment and Learning Center will be one of the ultimate symbols of Jersey pride, where we will be able to celebrate our great state and all of the contributions made by its many illustrious residents, said Hall of Fame Chairman John F. Hansen. The writing is atrocious in this article, by the way. <laughs> American Dream will be the first permanent home for the New, Jer New, the, 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 the New Jersey Hall of Fame, which was established in 2008. Really? Why wasn't it established earlier? New Jersey's a great place. It operated out of a 53-foot double-expanded expandable trailer that could fold out to 850 square feet. What? The Hall of Fame has fundraised fundraised at least $10 million for its permanent location at American Dream. We are thrilled to see this project launched and we support the New Jersey Hall of Fame's mission to honor our great state and its exceptional citizens who have contributed so much to the world, said Robert C. G who are all these people? Robert C. Garrett, CEO of Hackensack Meridian Health, lead sponsor of the New Jersey Hall of Fame. Despite financial troubles at American Dream, the Hall of Fame is one of several entertainment venues expected to open in the coming months. They include an interactive gaming experience, Activate Games, The Game Room, powered by Hasbro, and Skip Barber Karting Academy. American Dream is filled with attractions, shops, and restaurants that cannot be found anywhere else in the world, let alone the state. It's truly a source of pride for the great state of New Jersey, and therefore it's only fitting for the New Jersey Hall of Fame to open its entertainment and learning center here. It will round out our exceptional entertainment, retail, and dining options, making American Dream an unmatched destination for indoor family fun, said Don Grimazian, CEO of American Dream. And I met someone who knows him, actually. <laughs> it's weird. I met someone who actually plays golf with Don Grimazian, or one of the Grimazians. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I would like to go to the New Jersey Hall of Fame. I don't know if it's like... <laughs> Would you ride in a car? <laughs> and you, you ride, it's like a ride? It sounds pretty cool. Anyway, I love New Jersey. and uh, But they mentioned Henry Ford. So, I mean, you know, let's just uh, look up Henry Ford here in the Wikipedia. And, you know, it just I just want to acknowledge that uh, he, uh, let's see, hmm, personal interests. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I don't want to say anything until I verify that what I'm remembering about him is actually true. This could be a Mandela effect. Interesting. Uh, hmm. I'm not finding it. I thought it would be kind of... Ah, there it is. Okay. <clears throat> All right, let, let me skim this before I say anything. 
All his life, Ford was a conspiracy theorist, as he and his writers drew on a long European tradition of false allegations against Jews. The Ford publication, The International Jew, The World's Foremost Problem. Yeah, yeah, that's a bit, that's a bit troubling, huh? And uh, in Germany, this was in the 1920s, Ford's anti-Semitic articles were issued in four volumes, right, by Theodor Fritsch, founder of several anti-Semitic parties and a member of the Reichstag. In a letter written in 1924, Heinrich Himmler described Ford as one of our most valuable, important, and witty fighters. Ford is the only American mentioned in favorably in Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler. So, you know, I, I listen, I believe in trying to understand these public figures at all levels, but, you know, I, you know, like when you casually mention Henry Ford, like a lot of people didn't know all this stuff. So anyway, I, I'm not, I, whatever, I don't want to get into it, but that came to mind. Somehow he he's somehow protected historically, and they can talk about oh this this down home guy Henry Ford he invented cars oh he's a nice guy is he really? Oh hold on I, I was skimming ahead here. <clears throat> in July 1938, the German consul in Cleveland gave Ford on his 75th birthday the award of the Grand Cross of the German Eagle, the highest medal. Nazi Germany could bestow on a foreigner. But on January 7th, 1942, hmm, that sounds like uh, about a month after the U.S. declared war on Germany, if I have my history right, Ford wrote another letter to Sigmund Livingston dis disclaiming direct or indirect support of any agitations which would promote antagonism toward my Jewish fellow citizens. He concluded the letter with, my sincere hope that now in this country and throughout the world, when the war is finished, hatred of the Jews and hatred against any other racial or religious group shall cease for all time. Jeez, thanks, Henry. <laughs> thanks, Henry. Jay, very convenient. After, after the country you're living in declares war on, 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 on the folks you were sort of hanging out with, now, now you're, now you're backpedaling. Good, good job. Good job. Wow, here's, here's the final word on this. In a book about Ford by Robert Lacey, it was reported by a close associate that when Henry Ford was shown newsreel footage of the Nazi concentration camps, he was confronted with the atrocities which finally and unanswerably laid bare the bestiality of the prejudice to which he contributed. He collapsed with a stroke, his last and most serious. Ford had suffered previous strokes, and his final cerebral hemorrhage occurred in 1947 at age 83. So, yeah. Yeah, he was kind of... kind of realized the error of his ways at that point. Yeah. Yeah! Anyway, on to other topics now. Um, today's episode is called Night Versions 2. And um, this is essentially... Uh, you know, sometimes I like to make sequel episodes... And uh, so the original night versions was the Frank Norris Show 1643 night versions from February 2nd, 2011. And uh, 
I remembered I had a show called Night Versions. I think I I didn't listen to it, but let's let's just hear the beginning of it. Let's hear a little bit of me in 2011. How's this go? See, I used to start the shows with these weird synthesizer music that I created. Remember that whole when I used to do that? It's kind of an interesting concept. Oh, there's a, I had a certain name for it, and I remember I collected some of them, and I made something in the other side with that. What did I call it? Uh, maybe I'll be able to find it. But hey, it's the Frank Norris show. What's hey, up? February what's up? Eleven. Look at this. What's up? The morning of uh, Tuesday, February first, twenty eleven, and the weather is horrible. It is just horrible. I'm here at the great Port Authority bus terminal in. New York, New York. See, this is like the kind of thing you could you could hear on the uh, the yeah, Onsugger yeah. radio station side of book, of course. You know, we've been having old shows that uh, is, I think, kind of unprecedented. Uh, Rob from the Point Stevenson show was saying that there's been seven feet of snow in the past month. I think that's right. Seven feet of snow. It was a lot of snow back then. Now we have horrible weather in the form of a wintry mix of snow, sleet, slush, ice, hail. Freezing rain and, and, and oh my god, everything is going on this morning. It's a long, long ass journey in this morning. I had to stand at the bus stop for about a half hour, freezing my ass off. And uh, these other people, they were standing at one end of the bus stop, but luckily there was, <laughs> I was standing under a tree. I thought it would help, but those ice pellets, like, you know what I mean? Like, if it's, if it's raining and you're standing underneath a, like a pine tree. Sometimes that'll help a little bit, but I think those ice pellets like just jam right through all those little pine needles and get right to you. So it didn't help too much, actually. So there you go. There's that. And yeah, my internal name for it was Techno Pagan, and I did make a make a collection of some of them, and I played on the other side a few times, Techno Pagan, and I used one of my fake band names, Chaston Bands and Junkard Sane. Let's see if we can find that one now. What two episodes did I play those on? Because I found an old folder with a lot of them in there. I had a bunch of music programs I was playing around with back then. Let's see. I played that on... So you can find it here. The Overnight Escape, 1865, Coleman Goodman Hazard Avenue. That was on uh, December 2nd, 2021. Wow, not even a year ago. And I also played it on The Overnight Escape, 1790, Persuasion Astra Antique. That was on uh, March 16th, 2021. a good one, right? Sort of a tribute to that old music I used to start the shows with. Right. Enough of that. It's good. It's good though. You can you can find that in the archive and the other sides. Yeah, I, there's there's some original stuff I did that I only played on the other side, but it's part of the archive, so it's all in there. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's take a look at this. So, night versions too. So, I think originally the night versions. 
one of the meanings was, you know, Duran Duran had like night versions of, of their songs, which were remixes. Let me see if I have an example of that version. <clears throat> night versions, the essential Duran Duran. Like Rio, a night version. I think they were like dance club remixes or something. I heard them singing that song recently when I saw Duran Duran in concert for the first time. Anyway, and I'm sure other aspects of night versions, versions of the overnightscape, alternate timelines, yada yada, all sorts of fun stuff. Anyway, so the reason I thought of night versions too is because a topic I do want to get to today, which is exploring Overwatch 2 maps, and that they have created... You know, Overwatch 2 is the sequel to Overwatch. A very interesting game. Controversial in some ways. Um, <clears throat> but they have night versions of some of the maps that previously only had day versions. So I was thinking of calling the next episode I did Night Versions 2. And uh, so I started playing around with artwork the other day. I was very inspired when I saw Stereo Lab that the keyboard player had a Prophet 5. And... I noticed the font, so I looked it up. It turns out to be a font called American Unctual. So I obtained that font, and uh, I had a few uh, renditions of the show art that just were not working at all. I had, and I, it was not even close to being acceptable. So I was looking through some my old folders from a couple years ago. You know, I have a lot of sh show art ideas that never amounted to anything, and this one image. This this like red sky and a street light and a, like a solar panel with the power lines. It was wild. I never used it. It was from a couple years ago. I think it was I was just walking up and down you know a street here in Nutley and took that picture. Um, and it's only like on the the middle right side you see that red outline because it's been very uh, you know the levels of the curves have been uh, changed. So I'm like this could work for night versions too. So I threw it in there. That purple color I had already been playing around with just worked perfectly uh, using the font American Unctual, as I said, that the Prophet synthesizers use. And then I typeset the overnight skip. And the moon up there is actually the moon from this photograph. And it's amazing. It looks cool. So I just threw this together and it just, it you know, like I can struggle with this show art. I can struggle and nothing is happening. And then it just quickly all comes together. So that's the idea of this today's show are night versions two, And I spelled out T-W-O because the two in the font is just <laughs> horrible. The number two, it looks like a nine with a little little line at the bottom. It's not good. Even for the Prophet 5, they had to change the number because the numbers in the American Unctual font are uh, uh, miserable. They're miserable numbers. They're miserable numerals. I know I read something about the difference between numerals and numbers, but at some point, but we don't need to worry about that right now. Anyway, let's see about Overwatch 2. <laughs> Maybe it'll work. My frame rate sometimes is good and sometimes it just lags. I was playing a game. Um, I was, uh, you know, Lucio, and I was playing competitive just because I needed to clear a, uh, a mission for the, uh, the battle pass progression. And I just, I, I got to about like one frame per second and I, I let my team down. 
okay? I felt so bad. Anyway. Um, so Overwatch is a game that... Think of, you know, think of first-person shooter like like Doom or those kind of games or Quake. But it's a, it, it was previously a six-member six team versus another six-member team. And you're... Uh, you're fighting for various goals and stuff. And it's a really fun game. It's in this sort of near-future science fiction, these almost superhero-like characters that are members of this Overwatch team. It's a near-future where all these wars broke out over these intelligent robots were, like, rebelling and stuff. The new version uh, is just weird because they could have just kept expanding Overwatch. They didn't have to make it Overwatch 2. But this game is now free to play. You can play this game for free, though you do have to provide a phone number, a cell phone number, um, which itself was controversial. Though, as I mentioned last time, they're letting some people in without... A lot of people have prepaid phones because they can't afford a regular phone. They're letting some of them in if they had an account before June 2021 or something. And um, the monetization, there's a battle pass... Or you can just buy things. Mostly a lot, a lot of cosmetics and stuff. Like for example, they just released a <coughs> Cyber Detective Sojourn bundle. Sojourn's one of the new characters. She's from Canada, and uh, she's wearing a detective outfit. And but it's uh, this is kind of like Blade Runner related. There's a little folded unicorn weapon charm. There's little charms you can put on your weapon. So it's it's the the unicorn origami from Blade Runner which was much more meaningful in the uh, extended version, which sort of revealed that uh, Gaff, the Blade Runner, knew that uh, Deckard was a replicant. Um, also, this voice line, which they're saying is from Blade Runner? I don't know. Keep crying. Rain won't stop. Keep crying. The rain won't stop. Is that from Blade Runner? Anyway, but if you want to buy this, it costs like $20 cash to buy this. Even if you want just this stupid little unicorn... Sh- charm from Blade Runner. It's not officially from Blade Runner, that you can put on your weapon. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So people are kind of pissed off about the new monetization scheme. Though it is mostly um, cosmetic, but then you do have to uh, grind to open up new uh, new heroes that they add. Anyway. Let's not worry about that. The game is very fun. I played on PC. It's also on consoles and it may be on Mac. I'm not sure. Listen, if you like video games, you don't have a Mac, okay? If you like playing computer games, Mac is not the the computer system for you. But anyway, what I wanted to talk about is the maps that are so beautiful. You know, I talk a lot about the metaverse and virtual universes and the level of artistry in the maps they created. There's kind of small areas where you have these battles. You can explore the maps at your leisure. It's a system, though, that's certainly not obvious um, if you were to start playing the game, but I'll tell you exactly how to do it and some tricks about exploration. So if you're in Overwatch 2, so again, you can play this for free. I'm not 100% sure this all works for new players. It might. I'm not sure. So hit play. Then you go to custom games. And then you go to create. There's a plus create on the right-hand side there. And this will be your game. And again, this whole interface is very non-intuitive. So then you go to settings. Okay. And um, the first thing you can do is go to modes and, uh, like, turn on all the modes, right? All, assault, control, escort, hybrid, push. (coughs) And I made a preset doing all this. 
So you just you, you turn on all of the, the, the different modes, because right? there's different maps for different modes. And I just and I saved a preset called Map Surf for myself, which has, has all those loaded. And then what you do is you go to maps. So for example, um, Blizzard World is a, uh, a level of a theme park of the video game company Bl uh, Blizzard in the future, though it's a, it's a version of Blizzard that did not create Overwatch because Overwatch is the world of the game. But in a kind of a weird meta sense, the company Blizzard exists in the Overwatch universe. They made World of Warcraft, Hearthstone, and Starcraft and all that stuff, but they didn't make Overwatch. Normally you play during the day, but there's a Blizzard World Winter version. So when you go into maps, you'll see all the maps. There's tons of maps, right? Each one is beautiful. So Blizzard World Winter. So what you do is you go to the top and you hit None. So you turn off all the maps. Because if all the maps are on and you hit Play, it'll randomly select one of those maps. So you hit None. So here I'm going to say Blizzard World Winter. And turn that on. Go back. And now I can start. You can play... Explore the maps in one of two ways, right? You can actually be a character, which is cool because you can move around the map. You can punch things and interact with things in a way. You can shoot like bottles and stuff, or you can be a spectator. So let's start off the normal way of um, just being a character. So this is at night. So I'll be a Junker Queen, one of the new characters. She's like this, like like road warrior type woman oh, my is where I she has like a shotgun and a knife like her knife is named Gracie her shotgun has a certain name and you can just walk around the, this map look at this beautiful map at night do I have any voice lines just one I was born to rule she, she has a magnetic knife called Gracie but anyway yeah here's like the bathrooms <laughs> But you can just walk all around. This is like the lost and found area. Walk up the stairs. I really enjoy just exploring the maps. It's really just beautiful. There's a dark ride, the flight to Duskwood. You can go inside, right? You can actually go inside the ride and go into the opening section. But I think especially if you're not familiar with these maps, it's just an incredible world to explore. Yeah, and this is an especially beautiful map, right? But yeah, sometimes you go to a bar or restaurant, you can shoot the glasses and stuff. Ancient Curios, here's like a gift shop. Some, like, like, like here's some clay pots on the wall you can shoot. Baskets you can shoot, and you can also punch things. I know I'm very much against violence in video games, but this, this game has very cartoonish violence, you know. Anyway, um, the only place you really can't go in this map is, is the enemy team's like home base. So anyway, let's go back. All right. Now I'm going to... The other mode you can use, right? And you, you can just say friends only or invite only, so no one else is going to come in your game. Invite only. So what you do, if you want to be a spectator, you can fly around, hit move, click on your character, and then click <coughs> in one of the spectator modes. Right? So now you can go to Blizzard World as a spectator. Right? And, th and this, there's like 30 or 40 maps. 
let's see. So I'm going to go in as, as the spectator. And you can fly around. So this is meant for someone spectating a game. Like if you're a streamer and you're sort of spectating a game, you can just fly around at your leisure, right? Loading. <laughs> Come on. So now you can get a whole new perspective on the map because you can fly around. Error starting game. Oh, are you kidding? Try again. See, I'm trying to do a demo and it's like not working. I think I may have to go back, may have to start all over again. Because there's new maps that they created and they're creating more new maps as time goes on that are just so cool to check out. And the level of artistry in these maps is beautiful. When I complain about how shitty a lot of the virtual universes these days look, these days look the levels in Overwatch are an example of a beautiful, crafted uh, <laughs> experience. Okay, I don't know what's going on. Let, let me uh, let me go back. Oh my God! Error starting game. All right. Listen, this is this is Overwatch Two. This is a new thing. All right. Let me pause until I can get it working. Okay, it's in now. Um, and also, right now, some of the maps are disabled because they have serious bugs, like uh, Necropolis, Anubis, like the Egyptian maps, a few others. They, they should be back, though. So here we are, and you can fly around. There's like this hearthstone in here. Let's go like to the entrance area. But now we see there's an entrance area, but I can't get over there. I'm flying. You can fly up, but the thing is, you can't go... There's these invisible barriers you can't get past, which impede your... Um, you know, exploration a bit, but there's a way to get around it. Hit Control I, and then you can clip, so you can fly through walls. And now I can go to the entrance area and go beyond the entrance area. Also, for those not familiar, you just use WASD to move around and the mouse to look around, and it's it's so. I mean, it's very standard. And you can hit Shift to go faster. But here, like, it's cool. You can like fly up into the sky and look down on the map from a distance, and you can see like in the distance things that they built are just like set pieces. So it's so cool to see it from a distance. But it's, this is all, like, all free, basically. That's so cool. <laughs> I'm going to fly down back into this world. Yeah, there's like a, uh, there's a roller coaster in the distance, which you normally can't get to. But if you hit Control-I, control, control I, you can clip and go over. Uh, I don't think I ever came over here at night, the roller coaster. It's so cool that you can uh, explore these maps like this so freely. And someone found in the Havana map, there's um, a secret area that, is going to be used in a future game mode. Like here is this, uh, the Ferris wheel that you can only see in the distance, but I'm right up against it now. That's so cool. I'm like right by the Ferris wheel. And here's like the roller coaster. Because normally, like this is just stuff you're meant to see in the distance. Look, here's the roller coaster. Oh, there's no people on it, but you can follow the roller coaster around. Look at this. Cool. Yeah, and there's various worlds. There's like, at the end, you know, it's like a, there's a, there's a church. I think this is one of the ones where you escort. Is it an escort map? I think so. There's a church from um, one of their other big games, which is um, Diablo. You can go inside. There's all these cool interior spaces. There's like a throne, an evil throne. This is like a holiday themed area. So there's like presents around and stuff. Oh, look, and here's like a place you can fall down. Usually if you fall down, you just die, but you can go down into that pit. Different music and everything playing. Here's a melted snowman. 
God, so cool. And then uh, you can go to the area that's like uh, StarCraft, the Pylon Terrace, the Nexus experience. You can just fly around. I'm holding down shift so I go fast. But you can't interact with anything in this mode, but you can just go everywhere in this mode. Yeah, isn't there like, just like an arcade here where some of the characters start, right? I think. If I can find it. <laughs> so cool. But I just want to let you know, if you're into such things, that this is... It's a good moment to do it, because again, you don't have to pay for the game. And I'm assuming new players can do this. Where's that area that... Because I've played this map a lot. Let me see. Where's the area... Hmm. I'm getting confused here. Where's the air? Where's that little arcade? Let me see if I can find that little arcade. I really th thought it was over there in the Nexus experience. Hold on, let me see. Is this it over here? Oh, here's here's a little snack bar. Oh yeah, and here's a a place where you can learn about the the Blizzard games. Doesn't this guy do like a talk? There's a picture of this guy, Mike Morhaime, who founded, co-founded the company. <coughs> I don't know where that little arcade is. It's kind of... Let me see. Let me go over here. Yeah, this is an area where I've done a lot of the fights. It's cool. There's like theme park music. And if you go into the, the Hearthstone uh, Inn, you can... The Hearthstone Tavern. Right? You can go inside and you s there's like Hearthstone, the card game set up. Even some Murloc cards. <coughs> Murloc Tidehunter. There's a card there, yeah. Alright, let me just find that arcade. But it's cool because you're just flying around. The Wizard Sanctum Magic Show over here. And again, when you go behind the scenes, things start looking a little weird. Because it wasn't meant to be seen. But it's cool they put the clipping feature in there. I, I, I do appreciate that. Let me see. I'm going to find that arcade. Wait, I'm inside the dark ride now. <laughs> Hold on. It has to be over here somewhere, right? Yeah. Dee, dee, dee. Maybe it's on this level. There it is. Okay, I found it. Yeah, they have Ski Ball Heroes Arcade. Sort of based on Heroes of the Storm, one of their failed games. It's in maintenance mode. <laughs> it still exists, but it's in maintenance mode. There's a little turnstile here. See, you never can go past there, but here I can go past it. There's really nothing over here. It's all an illusion. Anyway, there's innumerably cool maps you can check out. Just beautiful. Check it out if you're so inclined. Anyway, um, over the weekend I stopped by the King's Supermarket in Pluckerman, New Jersey, and uh, I saw they had Marmite. As I had just, uh, you know, on a recent episode I talked about I found my old jar of Vegemite, um, and I was enjoying that. I finished it up. So I saw the Marmite, whereas I do think I prefer Vegemite to Marmite. It, it, I, I got it. So here is Marmite. And on the front, it says vegan spread. So I don't have to worry about it being vegan. Normally, you like spread it on toast and stuff. I'm going to take a little bit on a spoon and have some Marmite. 
It's a, it's, I won't say controversial, but it's, it's a, it's a very strong, wild taste. A lot of people don't like, but I just love it. I love these, uh, this kind of flavor. This, this has a very different consistency. See, Marmite is more solid. This is more gooey. I do kind of prefer the more solid, more, uh, Vegemite. Marmite came first. In fact, I think I mentioned on, when I was talking about Vegemite, right? They had a different name for it. Kitty, no. What happens when a cat smells it? Kitty. No. Are you in? No. Come on. Cats don't like mar Marmite, do they? Before they, they, they had some different name, and then they called it Parwill. Like, Ma might, but Pa will. <laughs> like Ma and Pa. It's kind of gooey. There's like kind of dripping off the spoon here. I don't want to make a mess. See, I, I I like the consistency of Vegemite better, but Kitty, I'm trying to have my Marmite thing here. Let me just have a big spoon. It's not a big. It's not a heaping. It's just a little bit of Marmite. All right. I don't I don't like how it's like stringy and dripping off the spoon. All right. Here we go. I'm gonna have some Marmite. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> Very salty and pungent. Ah. As I recall, it's a derivative of the beer-making process. Oh, it's so good. Mmm, salty and pungent and wonderful. Like I said, I prefer Vegemite, but... There is no equivalent American product, by the way. Marmite, of course, is from Britain. Vegemite's from Australia. And America hasn't really gotten on board. I guess it doesn't suit the American palate, but it suits this American's palate. Yes. Yes, indeed. Hey, it's later on now. It's getting dark out. Rain has arrived, as you can hear. Raining. Fairly heavy rain. No thunder and lightning yet, though. <coughs> yeah. Ooh, it's getting heavier now. It's been a weird week, but aren't they all? Well, some are weirder than others. Definitely a weird feeling in the air lately, though. I mean, not just all the talk of nuclear war in the news, which of course is rather distressing. It's weird because um, I really do think that it's it's a thing. If you're if you're older, you know, like me, I'm Generation X and lived through the '70s and '80s where the Cold War was was on, and the threat of nuclear war was very real in terms of how it was expressed to us, how we could get nuked at any time and the whole world would be destroyed and everyone we know would die and it would be like this, it was hammered into our heads. Then, uh, you know, after the Berlin Wall came down, the Iron Curtain came down, it wasn't, it was, they stopped really emphasizing it and I think that, um, like, terrorism took its place as the big bugaboo in, in the news. But, so I think, like, I don't know, younger people, when they hear nuclear war, does it sound like okay or something that is tolerable? I mean, I don't know. Most people probably don't even know what it means. You know, the idea that the, um, you know, the nature of nuclear weapons as they've been described to us, the initial waves of destruction and then the leftover radiation, the... Um, the, the clouds, the, the nuclear winter where 
less sunlight will get through and all the plants will die and all this stuff that we were told I think it's a lot scarier for a Gen Xer like me than for the young Gen Zs um, so I'm assuming nothing's going to happen or hoping that if there, if the nature of my existence here is of a certain sort if <coughs> this area does get nuked that I can through some methodology unknown to me at this level I would be able to sidestep to another timeline where we didn't get nuked <laughs> you know what I mean I would hope that would happen because getting nuked is not fun no um you know, and that was sort of the subject of one of my pet theories about 2009 was that we were nuked or that we were a nuke caused a tidal wave or something, some sort of big a, a disaster here in the U.S. And that, though I don't know what happened, my theory was that through some mechanism unknown to me at this level, I was able to find a timeline where that didn't happen, you know. At that you know, the theory was that it was hard to find a timeline where it didn't happen. The theory was that I kept cycling through maybe September 2008 through when it happened in April or May 2009, kept looping back and, until I found one where it didn't happen. The reason I think that is because I started to slightly remember that I was already in 2009, back in September, October 2008. Of course, there's other explanations for that, but it's just a theory after all. But it would be good if, if each of us is investing so much time and energy in these human beings we're observing and being. If we're being the human beings, we're being them. We're like <coughs> uh, right, embodying them. We're controlling them. We're, we are them. <laughs> It'd be a shame if some sort of random nuke could ruin your fun. Hopefully there's some sort of methodology to, uh, if you want to keep going, to find a timeline where it, that, that it wasn't nuked or something like that. Very strange theories. And I acknowledge it's probably not, none of this stuff I'm talking about is probably true. They're just ideas. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not completely crazy. Anyways, with that, I'd like to thank you so much for patching into this episode of the Overnightscape. It's almost like you've, we've patched, like a patch cord, we've patched our realities together for this time. Synchronized our realities. You know, you're able to sort of experience what it's like here in October 2022 a little bit. But yeah, we're here in the Ansaga radio station inside a book, <coughs> as I was talking about before. A massive uh, project, uh, over 13,000 hours of audio, like a year and a half, nearly a year and a half of audio right now. And uh, that's why, as I said, I'm seeking out a new system to create that radio station that just plays and plays clips from all the shows. And you're able to, the, when you're able to explore these shows based on content, based on subject matter, based on personalities that are involved, I think it will. Um, open up a whole new dimension. And that's the idea, dimension of listening experience, not an actual different dimension. <laughs> but who knows, you know? Um, so that's the theory, that right? we're all working, creating these shows, 
no, we're not super popular at the moment, we're relatively obscure. That's really an exaggeration of the term relatively. We're very obscure at this point. But anyway, the idea is that the work that we're creating, once this system is implemented, will be this huge, rich, amazing audio world that you can explore. And maybe you're doing it right now. Anyway, you can participate as well in a show called Overnightscape Central. Every week, there's a new topic, and it's put together by PQ Riverout in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. And I went to visit him earlier this year, and you can hear that entire epic journey as well. So yeah, check out the latest episode. You get the vibe of it if you haven't listened before. And um, check out this week's new topic, and this week's topic is dogs. That's the brand new topic. Who doesn't have a lot to say about dogs? It's a massive topic. Just uh, email PQ, KPQR torc at gmail.com and he says the email address as well on his show and uh, send him some audio as I demonstrated last episode you can just record on your phone I got some random super mp3 voice recorder uh, app on my phone it just saves mp3s you could then email that mp3 to pq or and you know that, that should work or if it's a huge file you can use google drive or whatever it shouldn't be that big of a file Please participate. We'd love to hear you and the people in the future who have the book. Imagine someone in the far future who has this amazing book that is a lifetime of listening pleasure, an audio journey. Imagine if you're one of the voices they'll hear on there. Because you have something they don't. You're here in the past. And there's things about where you are, who you are, right? Your perceptions and perspectives and your... um, you know, observations on things, right? And your experiences, the stories you can tell that they don't have in the future. You have it and they don't have it. And by recording it, you can convey a little bit of what you have for those people in the future. And I'm sure it will be considered a treasure. Please, please join us on the Central, if you so wish. (laughs) Please do. (coughs) Anyways, now talking about a massive audio universe of a bit of a different stripe. Uh, of course, this is the uh, the feature you know you love. You know it, you love it. Uh, the second part of each episode of the Overnightscape, we switch over into a sort of a massive audio universe of its own. And it's here right now. The Other Side. About the railroad track, toot toot toot, it's a joyful track. See the train a going around the curve. Oh my, feel that engine swerve. Engineers are humming a peculiar train. Now in your heart you get a pain. All the people on the train have caught the drag. Now everybody's humming that railroad drag. Oh oh, that railroad drag. Oh, oh, that railroad rat, it's so entrancing, huh? It makes you fall asleep in Fargo and you wake up in Chicago, hear that engine hum? That train's sure going some. Here comes that choo, 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 choo. That's the railroad rat. 
Center for Public Broadcasting.
as Dr. Jacob Bernofsky investigates the roots of the scientific revolution with special emphasis on astronomy, next on The Ascent of Man. Monday at 8, Vista presents an amazing program entitled The Mysterious Bee. In our society, when homes become too crowded, it's children who move out to start a new life. In the beehive, it is the mother who has to move out and when she leaves, she takes about half her children. This is the swarming instinct of the honeybee. After centuries of observation, man has begun to unravel many of the mysteries of the structure and function of bee society. We now know that in the course of her lifetime, the average worker bee serves as a nurse, an air conditioner, and ends her career as a nectar and pollen collector. For an absorbing study of this amazing insect, be with us for The Mysterious Bee, Monday at 8 on Vista. This is TV Ontario, Channel 19 in Toronto, Channel 20 in Sault Ste. Marie.
Comic books, as distinct from comic strips, are a comparatively recent development within the past 15 years. But now they're big business and sell by the millions in Canada and the United States. In the States, they estimate a sale of from 50 to 60 million comic books each month. Now, Judge Pepperdine, on the basis of your experience dealing with delinquency in the juvenile court in St. John, your observations of youth and community problems as a minister before that, do you think comics are causing juvenile delinquency, as many people charge? Uh, yes, Mr. Morrison. It seems that uh, such stories as you have read from the, your opening remarks uh, can be copied uh, in most of the cities across our country. I had one case brought before me recently of two boys aged 13 years and 10 years respectively who were accused of assaulting another boy aged 8. <coughs> Briefly they had grabbed the little fellow and knocked him about pretty badly. And then they robbed him of everything he had in his pockets. Then they led him through the back streets and the alleyways until they came to a lumber yard. Here they beat him again until he fainted. And then they tied a shoelace tightly around his neck and left him. Fortunately, the knot in the shoelace didn't hold. And again, fortunately, the boy was found later on by one of the workmen in the yard. And when the older of the boys, who was obviously the ringleader, was asked, uh, where did you get such ideas? He replied, oh, from the comic books. He admitted further that he read quite a lot of them. That's only one case from my own experience, and I could quote many others. And my contention is that many of these comic books, while they may not actually cause juvenile delinquency, yet I am very definitely of the opinion that some comic books are certainly contributing to delinquency. Why? Well, because they turn the minds of the juveniles towards the baser side of human nature. They aid the development of the bad impulses. They portray what are supposed to be true cases of crime and the lives of real criminals. They dwell upon the lust to kill, whether it be the good man, the policeman killing the bad man, the uh, criminal, or the bad man killing the cop. doesn't matter much. They continually portray the violent and the sadistic. They exalt the idea of power at all costs, power of the strong over the weak, a never-ending use of a gun as a weapon with, with which to gain the one's desired ends. Then they emphasize the sex life, I mean the baser meaning of sex. The women portrayed, whether supposedly again, the good or the bad, they are supposedly alluring and they're overpainted. As someone else has said, they're scantily dressed with all the curves suggestively accentuated. <clears throat> These books familiarize the young with all the seamy and the ugly side of life. So ultimately, they are not shocked and they're not even stirred by it when, la when later adolescents they meet it in real life. In my opinion, many of these comic books certainly contribute to juvenile delinquency and should be treated in the same way as any other thing or person which contributes to a child being or becoming a juvenile delinquent or is likely to cause a child to become a juvenile delinquent. They should be put out of circulation and the sooner the better. Well, <laughs> Judge Pepperdine thinks that we need some action very quickly about it. Uh, I'd gather that he's been reading comic books himself. What would you say, Mr. Mills? Uh, I, I think so. After, <laughs> after seeing his briefcase, I, I, I was very interested in the covers of many of them that I'm not very familiar with. <laughs> well, it's uh, certainly not the type. 
Mr. Mills reads on uh, his program, uh, I've been trying to suggest that we should have a program of a similar kind in Toronto so that I could read the paper of an evening at home instead of having to read comic strips myself. Are you uh, <coughs> suggesting a national network, Mr.? Well, <laughs> we'll uh, have a discussion about that later. <laughs> Meanwhile, could you tell us if you agree with Dr. Pepper, uh, Judge Pepperdine or do you take another point of view? Well, I've had 17 years reading the comic strips from our Halifax newspapers over our local station here, CHNS. And it's my firm belief that comics, like all other forms of reading, should have the supervision of the parents. I remember I had my first complaint from a parent about two months after I commenced this particular job. And the mother said on the phone, and very kindly too, that she heard her little daughter call her brother a blasted swab. Well, the mother was rather shocked, and the child then explained that Uncle Mel had read in the comics where Popeye the sailor had used this expression. And I knew then that reasonable care should be taken, and I've had no single complaint since. Uh, children, like adults, have their preferences, which may not prove always what's to be desired. For instance, they may like too much candy and show too little interest in the much-talked-of dish of spinach, shall we say. And this isn't a new situation. Uh, some years ago, at a gathering of young English children, Sir James Barry, uh, the author of Peter Pan, he canvassed the literary tastes of the group. And he was surprised to learn that only six out of 70 children present cared for fairy tales. A dozen of them favored sea stories. Five were interested in airplanes and a couple in nature. One young fellow, incredibly enough, he defended his taste for stories about school. But what astounded Barry was the insistence of 45 of the children that they really preferred tales about war, crime, and violence. It seems as if this sort of thing has been going on for a long time, with no perceptible ill effects in the past. Well, Sidney Harris, in his syndicated column appearing in the Halifax Chronicle Herald recently, he had this to say. Children base their conduct on real life, not on fiction and fantasy. On example, not precept. A hundred stories pointing out that virtue is its own reward are not nearly so effective as one father who practices the domestic virtues in his own daily life. We hypocritically blame the comic books for making our children restless, rebellious, and antisocial in their conduct. But what they are reflecting is the insecurity of modern life, the adult tensions and conflicts they see and hear and feel all about them in what uh, W.H. Oden has rightly called the age of anxiety. It's cheap and shallow of us to blame the comic books for debasing the conduct of our children. By making them the scapegoat, we're eluding our own responsibility in much larger matters. Oh, yes, 
Zuckerman, it's going to take a miracle. FBI, freeze, gumball. If they're going to become federal agents. Come on, we're young, we're single, we're heavily armed. It's going to require a lot of teamwork. Double action or single action? Double or single. Uh, 
Whatever. You know my taste. A lot of field work. Oh, got a tattoo? Yeah, I got a tattoo. A lot of footwork. He's kind of cute. You're a sociopath. DeWitt and Zuckerman. Together, they just might graduate. The toughest course known to woman. FBI, freeze! Rebecca De Mornay. I hope the people of the United States of America will be able to sleep better knowing that women like us have guns. And Mary Gross. You're talking to me? You're kidding. I didn't think so. It's a law enforcement. Feds.
flying out of the skies and onto your lap come the stewardesses of Fly Me. Hi, I'm Toby. The seats in my plane aren't the only things that recline. They take off into wild adventure and take on the passengers anywhere they can. I can do it. Well, allow me. Oh. I'm a doctor. Three American stewardesses swinging on overseas service are swept into a whirlpool of international intrigue, hijacked into the shadowy world of white slavery in the underworld of the Orient. Until I say goodbye to you. I put a virgin on the plane in Los Angeles. I'll put a virgin on the plane in Hong Kong. Take a flight on the wild side with the stewardesses of Fly Me. Action. Oriental style. They battle the flying feet of Kung Fu killers. High-flying stewardesses with a man in every port. The sky's the limit with these cockpit cuties. They're your passport to fun and wild excitement. Hey, don't you want to stay and watch the grow? Break the sex barrier with the stewardesses of Fly Me. A one flight you won't want to miss. Fly me. Rated R. Now smile.
with the second day blues And it all seems pretty pointless when we untie in history two champions it isn't over until someone wins <coughs> at war with each other kill it i have already killed you two invincible men let's finish it alexander here now the ultimate killing machines i'm gonna get in this thing and i'm gonna kick your Jocks. <laughs> 